Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Ben and Marcel are here to round off what was, uh, ended up being a busy last week or so of the World Championships from Cortina d'Ampezzo. Um, gentlemen, it feels like it started ages ago for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but we finally got the last few races underway and should we kick off with an eventful men's slalom? Yeah, I'm tired. Uh, I don't know how the athletes are feeling. It's been quite exhausting watching and <laughs> podcasting our way through this World Champs, let alone actually skiing in it. Um, but the slalom was, yeah, it was uh, peculiar, to say should the least. The, should we go for the elephant in the room? Yeah, I'll let you have a rant um, and I'll sit here and prod you. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a wild animal, caged, just prodded. Um, but I'll go with it. That top 15 was absolute garbage. That was a d- disastrous decision. The um, people in it or the decision? <laughs> well, the, the races. That, well, the races that came, be, that, the races that came be, out really badly. The so races top 15 be, was garbage. Yeah, they were all rubbish. Could have done way better myself from my uh, living room. No, the, um, the races actually, to be fair, it was quite, you know, the, the fight that they had to get in was separated by a second, that top 15, and it really was on the wire. But I have no idea really what Fizz were doing with that. I feel like that was just an absolutely terrible decision. Um, I don't understand why we had the first run at 10 o'clock when you know, you know, it's not surprised that it's been warm. It's been warm. You know, the forecast has been warm. Why are we starting at 10 o'clock the first run? And then the second run started at half past one, and they were finished the first run at uh, half past 11. They'd finished it, half past 11. And we have two hours between the first and the second run at the hottest part of the day. Mind boggles. Don't like wreck the race and have it, you know, flipping a top 15. Just move the schedule early. TV, TVs will work. TV will happen. I'm sure the racers would rather the race was run properly than... Yeah, yeah, but they might be tired in the morning, you know? <laughs> they just don't want to get up. They just don't want to get up. I don't know. What do you What do you guys reckon? I mean, when was the last time that this scenario ever happened? I don't know. Somebody did write it on the internet. I can't, I, I can't remember. I mean, it's, they were saying something like 20 years. It's a bit unfortunate, I think, that all the races this year have been a bit crap because I reckon that was most likely the reason for them to actually switch it around because they had so many coming from like 30 or 28, 29, getting onto the podium or close yeah. to the podium. And yeah, I don't what was it? It was, um, it was Chamonix, wasn't it? Where they went from like 29th it, to 4th and then It was in Zagreb. Like Zagreb was not very good. Then Italy, the first race was, well, pretty medium as well. They were not very fortunate, but this decision, I don't think that was a good one. Um, they should have certainly kept it how it was and potentially talk about a new rule at some stage um to how they can make it better even though there might not be anyone or not not be anyone coming up with a good idea i mean what i mean that was they're they're limited though aren't they and what they could do in a a warm weather race and obviously that's not fizz's fault and they've tried to come up with something to make it you know a, a fair race essentially but at the same time like it's never really fair i mean all the tech events well all of the events are geared towards having it the best for the best guys but i just feel like it was 
I understand TV and that pays the bills and obviously all the sponsorship and marketing. But if you looked at that a week out and gone, right, it's going to be warm. The snow doesn't hold up very well because there's limited shade after about the first 50, 60 meters and gone, right, we have to move this race forward. And, it, and if they did, then they should be saying, look, the only option is top 15 because we've tried to move the race forward, but TV won't accommodate it or whatever. But, you know, starting it at, at 10 o'clock, these races, you know, in the summer, summer months, you know, there are some of them are up at like five o'clock training in the, you know, AM. They're not afraid to get up early. Yeah. So a few thoughts went through my head about this. And I agree, you know, I've done course inspection in the dark at six in the morning at national championships before. It's, it's not unthinkable. Obviously you don't want the best in the world inspecting in the dark at six o'clock, but yeah. If you need to, you do it though, right? But yeah, they could have moved the programme forward a bit. The decision, I don't know whether they almost made it worse that the decision was made in advance because I did, I did my rule check-in um, and, and apparently that decision can be made up to an hour before the first run. So they could have waited for the next day. They could have said at the manager's meeting, it's going to be a hot one. This is what we're thinking of doing read the reaction, which for all intents and purposes was very, very negative, and then say, well, okay, we'll check the forecast in the morning, see if anything's changed overnight and go from there. What was also a bit confusing was the day before the fastest skier on the second run went down 30th. On the ladies' race. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, okay, it got warmer again, but did, did it break up that badly? I feel... We don't really we're not going to know if it was the right choice because of the fact that everyone knew they had to try and make 15 not 30 it basically meant the entire midfield went absolutely ballistic full gas maximum risk taking which is why the final results probably make it look like it probably was a good decision to flip 15 because there were so many dnfs and such a big gap between 30 and, and one by the end of it but I feel that was because everyone thought, okay, well, if I'm not going to make the the flip, there's no point skiing the first run unless I'm going to go absolutely full full risks. Um, and we that's why we saw so many people skiing out. Did you um you saw the reaction of of uh, um if it's a Kostelich? If you haven't seen it, go and search out if it's a Kostelich's um uh, social media on his Instagram. He talks about how. You know, he name call he name checks like the whole of the top fifteen, uh, and sort of saying that it's a, a disgrace and these guys are sheep and all of this sort of stuff. Uh, Dave Riding actually wrote a reply saying he's not a sheep. Um, the you know the decision was made. I just got on with what was you know what Fizzer decided. I've just got a race, and you know I'm here to race. And at the end of the day, that's what you got to do. Um, the Americans went particularly mental at it, um, but I, I think that's probably due to the fact they had a bunch of guys in and around the sort of early 30s, who actually ended up qualifying into the top 15. So it worked out okay for them in the end. But, you know, the guys that are in that sort of high 20s or in that sort of that next group outside the 30s, it's one of those where, you know, that is the goal. You you have to charge like hell to try and get yourself a clean course, you know, and, that, and, that, and that's the, you know, you can't move the goalpost surely at world champs, can you, Marcel? No, I mean, the whole thing is just... It was just very unfortunate. And I, I just want to quickly say, like, I have the uttermost respect for Ivica Kostelic as a skier, but sometimes I'm really, like, 
I'm really questioning what he's saying about like course settings and stuff. I don't think that's pretty cool. Um, it's not the race's fault if someone decides that they want to flip the top 15. Like, what yeah. are you going to do? You know, you're not going to stand there as like the world number one being like, F- off. Like, sorry for using that language, but um, <laughs> you, that, that's just not how it works. Like, everyone has to kind of go with the rules that they have, like, that they have. And just because if it's a cost that you're saying, those kind of things it's not going to change anyway but yeah i think it was to the american point they probably were really happy after the first run but unfortunately not very happy after the yeah, second run didn't didn't convert it did they no. um, who 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 were the big winners there just you know just the guys on the podium were there any was anything think, anybody else benefit from that i think christopherson did because he he had a really good charge in the second run um, and he obviously had a, a way better slope than he would have actually had with the top 30 flipped. And also, I think some races that might have not made the top 15, but were quickly after the top 15, because so many people were going for it, for the medals. I think some of them had like got some points for the World Cup starting list, which is also great. I think there's yeah. one American guy, which is, hey, he didn't get a medal, but I'm pretty sure he's stoked about getting some World Cup, listing, World yeah. World Cup list points. So Sebastian Fossolovarg won and looked pretty convincing. Uh, Adrian Pertl of Austria, who was uh, you know just snuck in the World Champs team for the slalom after that immense result in uh, Chamonix just beforehand, was in second. And Christofferson, yeah, he he did as a good second round and moved up into third place, 0.46 back. Uh, Vinatza found the form that he had in the early season to nearly get on the podium. Daniel Yule pulled something out of the hat that he hasn't shown all season long in fifth. And then, yeah, Ishtok Roda as Croatian <laughs> ends up in sixth place at the World Champs. So uh, Kostelic should have, um, again, <laughs> had to maybe watch what he said because it actually worked out pretty well for some of his guys. What do you guys think about the course setting in the second round? I thought it was crazy crazy turning the guys that they were crawling look so slow you know what you're, you're talking Sh- about shoddy austrian course setter that is martin no but they get, it's within the regulations and everything but yeah, you talk about talk about um having having a rough time with the slope and then you set like a really turny course which makes it even worse yeah i think like it's a bit contradicting yeah but that was obviously set for i assume that was you know set for the austrians uh, the uh, to be fair marcel you have to let us know what you think about it the austrians and the swiss copped quite a lot of stick for the top 15 rule being implemented if you if you take a look over social media the austrians and the swiss were the ones that came up with the uh, top 15 and w- were the ones no doubt pushing for it i think was was um the accusation still, leveled at them were. i mean they all like the austrians had everyone in the top 15 and like in starting in the Swiss as well. I mean, if the Brits would have everyone in top 15, they would probably say, well, actually, that's not a bad, that's not a bad rule, but it's, I mean, it's just not really fair. It wasn't really fair. And I, if I would be a coach, I probably would have said, no, we're not going to do that because it's still an outdoor sport, right? Yeah. You have to deal with the conditions and exactly. do the whole time. Normally. And you know what? Like it's an outdoor sport. If some, if the, the conditions are sh- and someone wins who is maybe coming from 30th position after first run. Hey, fair play to him. It was his day. And he literally made the best out of it. Yeah. Yeah, but taking away the excitement that you get from races where someone comes in from, you know, up towards 30 
um, and gets on the podium. We've seen examples of it this year and I don't really recall anyone saying when that happened, oh, maybe they should have only reversed 15. It just doesn't come into anybody's mind, does it? It's not like, uh, you know, I don't, I have to admit, I don't like, I don't really like seeing those massive charges from the 30 to the, you know, on the second run into, you know, the top, onto the podium, certainly not. But, you know, I, I never sit there going, oh, they should have only done the top 15 there. And now that's going to be a thing, isn't it? How often is that now going to happen going forward? Oh, it's a bit warm. Then they're going to go, right, well, we did it at the World Champs. Let's do top 15 because it's, because it's blooming uh, Zagreb and it's raining. Yeah, I mean, and it can also get a bit tactical after, like if they can literally just do whatever they want. It, it's just not fair. I mean, I've, I'm first hind example. Like I went from 28 to three <laughs> because the conditions were not very good. So yeah. like, but that's without, part of the, it is that, part of like, the it, thing. It is, it? It's lucky, but it's your luck that day. Like you deserve it probably or not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can ever take that away from somebody. You know, your result like that obviously doesn't, it's not diminishing that fact because ultimately over two runs, that was what the podium was. And likewise, you know, the the women's slalom on a warm day, that was the the quickest over two runs. And, you know, those are the rules. And it just, it does sting a little. I think it stinks actually uh, um, that it changed. Um, what about the Brits though? I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Dave, we weren't sure whether Dave was actually going to start with his back issues. He'd done one day of training. He'd done like two runs trying to work out his back for after the uh, end of Chamonix to the World Champs. And even on the morning of the th of the race, he wasn't sure whether he was actually going to start. He, he said he was going to hit some gates in warm-up and sort of see where he was. Came out the gate like a scolded cat and absolutely monstered his way down there. Great recovery in the middle. And then... It was he 1200 soft skiing in fourth of that final split and then just got that hip just got lower and lower and lower and you could see it coming couldn't you and then dns you're like, oh just i couldn't believe it and then and then for laurie to be doing pretty much exactly the same yeah there's a few expletives in the drake household that that morning certainly were there were a few where i was as well um it's hard it's so difficult to find the line between just enjoyment and kind of happiness and pride at just how well they can ski with then just incredible frustration that yeah. we were robbed of those, whatever those last two splits would have been from, from both those guys. Um, because you, you don't want to turn into a broken record and say, you know, They've got the speed. We've seen some really good splits. They just need to put it together because by the time you get to the end of the season, you're like, well, I've been saying this all year, damn it. Um, and obviously, <laughs> Dave's, obviously Dave's had his, you know, he's had a fantastic result this year. And I think he's had a really, really good season. And, and that performance with that back injury was, you know, I don't know how he pulled himself out of the mistake at the top, let alone the one midway down as well. Yeah, with, yeah. I was just like, well, that's not going to help your bad back, is it? Um, and yeah, I was I was gutted for for both those guys, uh, but he didn't quite look like he got the the feel for the the conditions. No, no. Um, but I, I, you know, we didn't have a chance to to mention it before. But he you know gone away and won a Europa Cup two days prior, so he's he's clearly skiing really well as well. And it's I just feel like it'd been really nice if we could have had something a bit more tangible from one of those guys to take away if we get a top 10 from from one of them it would have been like yes we're on the right track obviously Dave's come out today and said he honestly believes that we'll get a medal in world champs or major event in the next 10 years and 
that you know that might happen but i was just when you see that kind of raw speed on the day you're just like come on guys 10 more gates you got it yeah oh but then you have but then you have like those two kind of you know nothing tangible you have the nothing tangible when you just ski down like garbage and not make the cut or just be slow and then go out or you have like that fire when you go down and you do that all like if laurie taylor keeps doing that all the time he will be finishing at some point and he if will he be keeps, if, he, if he keeps coming out the whole time he's not gonna finish. no but like the thing is like <laughs> that's exactly what bodie miller did like he was not holding back a single run in his life and he he probably didn't finish like 50 percent of it yeah but i think more. Th- when yeah, you win the th- other 50 though it's all right yeah exactly no but exactly but they might be coming to that <laughs> station dave actually posted today that he thinks that within the next 10 years someone will win the medal for team chibi and i agree I think the thing is, the thing is, you can, it's, it is so difficult. How often do we talk about, you know, you must charge, you must risk it all. And then sort of, and then this happens, but you're right. Like Bodie Miller probably didn't ski a race in anything other than a hundred percent, the vast majority of his career. But the thing is like that. So like once you're at the sharp end and you've got a, a decent course, most of the time, like that's really you know, that's the only way to ski when you're at the sharp end. It's that, but it, it's the balance, isn't it? But at the same time, like those boys are skiing so well. And the reason that they're skiing so well in Europa Cup is because they probably go out there and risk everything all of the time. And that's becoming more and more normal. Yeah, but that's exactly of... what you have to do. Yeah, like it yeah. has to become normal, even in training. Like you, you can't play it safe. Like you have to go for it. And yeah. they will, once you get, getting used to that like risking and getting that speed and the recoveries that go exactly you will be able to control like here's your head basically half of the courses recoveries for him yeah yeah i think i think it's important to make the differentiation between attack and reckless skiing because there will be times when i'll get annoyed with british racers for taking chances they don't need to take there's, there's one thing, like like we said, those conditions were kind of set up perfectly with the only 15 being reversed and all those things was basically just just go all out. Um, yeah. There are other examples where I'll probably be a bit more annoyed when they're going flat out and not skiing tactically, when you know there's a really difficult gate coming up and you're like, no, pedal to metal, that's what I do, and then yeah. immediately ski out. Then you can be annoyed or, I, well, you know, we've, we've all been racers. You get annoyed at yourself when you do it, when you know something difficult is coming up. You're like, I think I can hang on. And then you end up in the nets <laughs> or on the floor. And you're like, no, definitely can't hang on. Uh, <laughs> so if I could just make it to this undergate, I can get my line back. No, not making it to the undergate. No. Um, but no, I was, like I said, it was, it was definitely just like that. Just painful, just wanting something for those guys because you can see how hard they've worked. But it was, it was, take us take away the the controversy it was it was a really good race and it and it had me entertained yeah there were lots of what ifs for if you know that had been a normally run race but we'll never know what that was Um, yeah anyway so oh i mean the podium it looks decent i mean Pertle's probably the only one in there that you you wouldn't expect to be in there but you know if, if if Christopherson had won, you wouldn't have been too surprised. And I mean, you would have this year. Well, he smashed that one though, didn't he? Where was it? Was that in uh, Chamonix as well? Where he absolutely yeah. dominated in the sort of anyway. Anyway, we've done enough men's slalom. Um, let's let's move on to the ladies slalom, where I am so pleased that Leansberger won 
so pleased that she won. Uh, and she was a second in front of Lahova, who was a second in front of Schifrin. I wasn't too sure what to expect from Leonsberger on that second run, like having all that pressure. Um, Marcel, maybe you, you know, you know the girl a bit more. I mean, she's, she seems to be like, she seems to not feel any pressure. I mean, she, that, run, that run was unbelievable. Think about it, the scenario. Michaela Schifrin gets into the finish, is 20-something ahead. And then everyone's like, well, that was not a bad run, actually. Blahova comes down, and she's more than a second ahead, and everyone's like, okay, this is done. Like, Leonsberger can't get any better. And Leonsberger comes down and is a second better than anyone else. Yeah. I mean, what a race. Like, what a race and what a performance. That was just, that was just incredible. And probably we haven't seen a, something from someone else than Blahova or Schifrin or whoever dominated the races for a while. Yeah, in terms of like pure that, domination, obviously we've seen other winners, but nobody that's been, you know, normally if you're talking about a domination win, it's usually preceded by the name Schifrin or Vlahova, isn't it? Like there's nobody else that dominates in the women's circuit, really, apart from Goot this year in Super G, I said, probably. Um, but in the tech side, anyways, nobody other than those two. And then Leonsberger, she's been so consistent all season long um, and not picked up a World Cup win. Obviously, she's still not picked up a World Cup win, but she's blooming world champion now and it was it was cool double. really cool yeah double, well double yeah but slalom world champ yeah it was incredible she had she i mean she had a really good champs uh you know all round like skied impeccably throughout and i, I sent a message to uh, you guys saying if you told vlahova she'd beat Schifrin by a second she would not believe you if you told her she was still going to come second, by yeah. a second. <laughs> she'd just laugh at you and say there's no one if i beat michaela Schifrin by a second there's no one that's, that's beating me by a second and, yeah. and it happened it wasn't like there were big mistakes that Schifrin and vlahova like cost Schifrin and vlahova no. like edgy said her legs looked a bit heavy on the first run but you know they've looked heavy for a month now um and and you know I thought she was looking a bit more back to her best, might be pushing it, but a bit more lively on the slalom skis yeah. than she did in, in, in the Super G and anything else. And you know, it, it was just a dismantling of the field. I mean, Wendy Holdner in fourth, 2.3 off. I mean, that is for a world championships, considering how close some of the other podiums had been prior yeah. to that. This one just kind of blew the entire field apart. And in those conditions, when they were worried about the temperature, they were worried about the course setting up. Uh, cutting up, uh, just came just second run after 30 people have gone down to take a in second out of the field is just hilarious. Yeah, so good though, so good. Marcel, do you do you have you, do you know her? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I I do know her. She's always been really good, and she she's obviously had all that stuff focused. with the skis, didn't she? Yeah, oh, like she was the seasons ago. Yeah, that was last year when she actually tried to switch to Kessler, um, good old Austrian ski brand. And there were some like implications with the pool because there's a pool in Austria. So you have to, you're only allowed to have certain equipment that are allowed by the Austrians, etc. And then I think she couldn't ski for a couple of races. And yeah, she missed back, Soden, yeah. yeah, she switched back to Rosignol. And ever since, I mean, it took her maybe a couple of races and, and then she really performed very well because I don't think she had a podium before that season, or maybe one or two. And she's so consistent. And you know what? Like, she's such a hard worker as well. Um, that that success doesn't come from, like, luck or whatever. Like, it's it's pure work ethic that comes with her. 
talk about the Brits. Charlie Guest was skiing. She had a quick uh, splits, didn't she, on that first run? Just didn't quite work out for her. She was taking some risks. And she, did she straddle? I think she did straddle, didn't she? Um, yeah. And so, you know, t- taking the risk, charging, looked like she was skiing pretty well. I've been speaking to her a little bit over over text or whatever, and she's um, you know pretty frustrated. But again, it's one of those things, isn't it? You have to take it on the chin and take the positives out of it. She was skiing faster. She's taking, you know, she's she's saying all the right things and, and doing what you're supposed to do. Take the good stuff from it, as as will the, the Brits on the men's side of it as well. Um, Alex Tilly was looking. You know, she was in a fight straight from the get go, and I think it's a it's a pretty tough way to ski constantly fighting you know the best of the best don't ever really look like they're trying that hard look marco schwartz looks like he's out for a sunday stroll he really does when he's skiing down he just looks like he's cruising he never looks fast though does he boys yes he always looks what are you talking about brilliant Um, but when you watch him ski he doesn't you don't go oh like that is you know dynamic skiing that is he's absolutely but then the splits and the times obviously you're like holy moly that guy i do look at it and think he's going quick but i look at it and go how is he going so quick? Yeah, yeah fantastic. That, that's probably more than because you're an I expert and Drake uh, Ed is not. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, why are their skis so small? Why are there different colored gates? I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> going so slowly. Stop, stop hitting those with your hands. Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, speed skiers just put their head through them. Um, <laughs> um, but we said last week, and this goes for the, for the guys as well. We said it's the world champs. There's no point holding back. Like Marcel was saying, you're not gonna win anything by skiing it safe yeah. and and again, a bit like I said for the guys as well n- neither of the girls were taking undue risks you weren't looking at it going oh well this is never going to work you're like that's good skiing or oh, that's unlucky yeah. um so you can't you can't one week say it's the world champs it's all or nothing this week and then the next week say oh but you could have gone a bit you know you didn't have to go quite a that bit direct. more safe yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so like I, yeah I was I, again similar to the guys I was just kind of gutted we didn't get to see a couple more splits of Charlie uh, skiing like that because it was it was going really well. Let's rattle through this a bit quicker because we've already chatted for ages. Let's look at the men's GS. Matteo Fev picking up the win. Diali Prandini been nowhere all season. Comes in in second. Marco Schwartz puts on the GS skis uh, only for you know a few times this season and walks away with another medal in the World Champs. Uh, Alexi Pantero obviously is the I was about to say big loser, but that makes it sound like I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm taking the mick out of him. But you know, he is obviously the, the the unlucky guy that you know charges on the second run and it doesn't go right, like we talked about for so many other people. But that's so unusual for Pantero, isn't it? I didn't even think it was that much of a charge on the second run. It was just a mistake, and that was even more shocking because he just doesn't make them. Yeah. Um, that first run was an absolute exhibition when everyone else couldn't work out how to get their skis to work on that ice he had them on absolute rails and we'll probably talk about it in the women's as well but a few races this season we've seen a period where the first few really struggle when it should normally be perfect conditions for them and then that period from almost like 12 to 20 actually skis way quicker we saw a bunch of people two seconds off pantero and then when the likes of fairer and a few others that that made up the podium came in they came from a a period where you'd expect them to have slightly harder conditions 
but he had him on absolute rails when everyone else was looking like Bambi on ice. He just absolutely <laughs> cruised down and, and just put absolute miles into the field. I was I was really gutted for him. But at the same time, you know, this is ski race and it, it, it does happen. Come on then, Marcel. I mean, look, well, my thoughts on this, <laughs> my thoughts on this. He had like, I think the first run was unbelievable. I really thought it was really, really good. Um, and I don't think the best guy on the hill won, but that is not taking away anything from anyone because it doesn't matter who is the best guy on the hill. Like the guy with the gold medal is the, is the quickest, right? But I feel like the podium was probably the most unexpected of the whole world champs. Yeah. Because who would have thought that Fabre wins, Ali Berdini gets second and Marco Schwartz gets third. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, those, those guys are not getting podiums, are they? I'm, pre- well, I'm presuming those guys uh, meant that not many people picked up points in that. In zero. Not, not, one, not one person picked up a point. In the hundred and something people that played the mini league, not one person walks away with a single point in the men's GS. I mean, hey, I'm so happy for all those guys. Like Ali Brandini and, and, and uh, Favre, they were like crying in the finish yeah, area because they were so emotional. happy, which is so nice to see. But it was it was just a most unexpected race I have seen in a long time, really. I mean, there's the likes of Odermatt. Like, they were they were literally tumbling left, right, and center, but no one made it properly down the course, which was which was actually entertaining to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah, Ed, you said no one got any points. I think as the only person who's ever picked fair for everything by picking him for Solden, I should get some kind of that. bonus points for <laughs> seeing as he picked up like a double gold. I mean, is the that the been... most? Is that the most unexpected? Yeah, the guy's part been... of the entire world chosen. Yeah, the guy's said... been nowhere all season long. Like, no, said, no, oh, no going to walk out of this world champs with two golds. Even are like, oh, reserving the team event and you yeah. know, so randomly appears in another race yeah like, um, like he, he got loads of buys in the parallel or something you know you know he's not somebody i mean he don't get me wrong like he his winning record if you look at his stats is, is you know he, he's picked up world cup wins he's a good skier obviously but then i don't know where he pulled that out of where did he find that sort of form because yeah the best pantaro you know he should, should have won. You, you can't say that. But, you know, he was the, the quickest skier. And to do that on the first run where so many people were struggling and it was later on where Diali Prindini came down, Schwartz came down and those, are, you know, the other group sort of when the snow ch- changed that those guys got quicker because Pantero was ahead by, you know, over a second, wasn't he, after like the top 15, I think, had gone down, something like that. The guy was head, like literally head and shoulders above everybody else. But Fev actually skied really well. Like he skied, he skied really nicely. Those head, like, head skis at the moment obviously in tech are absolute and speed to be fair the head skis are on the moment are on fire and so you know i've, I've i was actually a bit gutted for, for also for the german guy schmidt because he was skiing so well he made yeah he made lots of mistakes but he was still really quick did you did you have you spoken to your dad at all yeah well, how's I mean, how's alexi doing afterwards well look He's now 30 almost. I mean, he had those races that happened, right? It's just... Didn't didn't blame it on the ski then. (laughs) 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 I mean, he he was so unlucky. Like, literally, five centimetres left or right of that bump, and he would not have gone down. Like, it's literally unlucky. Well, he didn't... Well, he was a bit behind and stuff and a bit inside, but if you looked at everyone, really, I mean, they were all behind and and inside and everything. Um, It was just a bit unlucky, I guess. So I don't think he's too bothered. I mean, obviously he would have loved to run, but hey, who wouldn't, right? 
I mean, there's like some thinking about it, and and I don't know what his goals are for the season, but he made two medals, which is great. Um, like obviously the super combined was really close, could have won there. This race could have won, but in the end, if he manages and if he has a couple more good races and manages to win, maybe a globe. Um, which he has never maybe won. Maybe a globe. He should win a globe. He should win it. He should, but, but you don't know. It's like no. everything can happen. But if he wins the big globe or even the GS globe, because he never won that before, I mean, I personally think that's worth more than a gold medal in, in GS in the world in the world champs. But that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think I think so. I think in terms of ski racing, you know, the hard hardcore ski racing fans, that makes sense. I think for you know from a Brit's perspective, I think a world champion, like some, you know, the people that when you're trying to make a push in a sport, that's more of a niche sport. I think a world champ sounds better than world cup overall winner or whatever. But I think, I think you're right. I think if, if you said to Pantra, you can either win one of the globes or a world championship gold, you'd take the globe, right? Well, you probably, you might want to take either. You definitely want to take the big globe. That's for sure. Because that is, the biggest honor you can have as a ski racer, I think, besides being an Olympic champion. Like winning the only the best of the best win the overall World Cup globe. Yeah. Because you have to be consistent throughout 35 races. 100%. Yeah, I'd, 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 take any, I'd take any kind of win, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, even, said, couldn't even get one in the league, Ben. <laughs> if your name's not Lara Gate, that's it. We're getting no points. <laughs> um yeah so so it was tough wasn't it the old the, the men's gs but yeah um we had some some british representation in there for a a, a few gates and a, and a roller um <laughs> Char- Char- charlie again was skiing well i don't entirely know how he ended up doing a 360 but well, he, he won he won it he won world championships instagram day that day i think did he I have no, I didn't know they were they were keeping score, but um, uh, yeah, I thought I thought he was having a, a, like a, some some good turns. I thought because of what was going on with the rest of the field, he had a chance of getting in to that thirty. We'd seen a lot of people struggle, and like we said, the course was skiing a bit better then. But where so many people had struggled, it was also quite choppy um, yeah. from people bouncing around in front of him. But again, like, like we talked about, it must be quite hard to have confidence in what you're going to do when you've seen Odomat being unable to, to put a turn down. Um, yeah, and, and, like, and people that at that kind of level, when you're used to seeing them smash a course, sometimes, you know, although you're like, okay, I'm not as good as that. You might also think, yes, it can be done on this course. Whereas when you've seen people falling over left, right and centre, you know, in some ways going to dent your confidence before yeah, of you course. Go. But like, Charlie looked like he, yeah. he, he looked like he was comfortable. He looked like it was going well. Obviously, a bit like we said before, you kind of saw saw the weight going back and back and thought, oh, that, that might not end well. But, you know, pulled it off yeah. in style. He came, he, yeah, exactly. He, he, he came in with some confidence after, you know, after the parallel, which we, which we already talked about. But, um, no, you're right. I think that that is a huge knock to your confidence when I think when you see the world's best struggling a little bit, like I've said before on the pod, you know, when Bodie Miller comes up to you at the top of world champs downhill and says that that was crazy hard and you're standing there waiting to go still. You're like, <laughs> okay, brilliant. Thank you very much for your, uh, you know, the world's best find it hard. What if, what's this punter going to do about it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, those guys are, you know, that is hard to watch on the TV screen, seeing everybody come out, but at the same time, it gives you a big boost because you know that, I've got a good shot of getting into the second run here if I don't 
do a 360 off a roller <laughs> i mean it, it, it's tough it's a tough one uh, it was it was just a tough race and also like i don't even know i don't even know where that race came from because when i looked at like the gs at the super g in the downhill i was like where are they going to do the gs it must be really flat and all of a sudden they come up with like some proper slalom races and some proper gs races as well so i thought that was actually that was probably one of the toughest races this year yeah the hill was really good i mean the snow obviously the sun on the snow is a bit bit pants but, but fun, funny thing because i spoke to my dad about it and he was like i my pants because it was so <laughs> icy he said it's probably one of the iciest bits he has ever skied down or inspected down he was like i didn't even inspect a second run because i I just couldn't. I couldn't hold myself on there. Like couldn't it was so his, icy. Couldn't do his skis properly. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't say it was that icy. Sorry. <laughs> no, he he was. He genuinely said it was the first bit. Like the, because they've, I think they've injected it like a week ago or something, and then just put some water on the top, and it was like minus twenty degrees. Yeah. And it was just went properly off, didn't it? Just properly icy. I mean, this championships has had everything it's been race council because don't snow, run ahead of, we haven't quite got fog. there yet don't give us that yet just ah, uh, just the snow conditions though i feel i feel for marcel's dad that like we've gone from like powder to bulletproof ice to slush you know what, yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do you've had it all test testing the best testing those those uh the wizards in the ski room that's for sure uh the last race we've got to look back at was the women's slalom which i think was probably the closest race out of the lot the giant slalom uh, Lara Goot picks up a, a world championship gold medal, 200s in front of Schifrin, who was in turn um, 700s in front of Leonsberger, so just back off by a tenth off the win. What did you guys make of it? Marcel, what did you think about that race? I mean, that was a... I, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know how the Austrians pulled two, two medals in GS out of the head because they were in... Well, not in no man's land, but they were not really good this year. And all of a sudden, they they winning two bronze medals. So I thought that was actually the biggest surprise because Lara Good was doing really well in GS already, so she was certainly up there in the favourites and and Schifrin as well. So I that wasn't surprising, but obviously that Liensberg got a bronze was quite surprising. And I thought the GS it, it was the same thing, wasn't it? Like the the slope got a bit better, etc., etc., etc. So it was like a tricky race for everyone, I guess. Ben. What about Nina O'Brien? Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me. Um, <laughs> oh, that was talk about heartbreaking. Oh no, um, so bad. And to be just quickly before I've, I know I've just asked you a question and I'm going to talk again. But um, <laughs> Nina O'Brien <laughs> and and Paula Maltzen, that women's American team at the moment. I know with the the, the men, obviously, we, we sort of briefly touched on those guys in the slalom doing this sort of similar work and River Adams obviously well. skied well. Yeah, but those, but. But O'Brien, like that skiing and Maltzen, but that skiing from O'Brien, oh my word, she she's probably got to be one of the people that's kicking themselves most, apart from maybe Pantera. Yeah, I mean, she skied brilliantly on that first run. I was, you know, watching, just thinking. Sim- similarly, as we mentioned in the guys, it didn't look quite right for the first few. I mean, Vlahova was absolute miles off. Bacino had an absolute mare. They looked to be really struggling to get grip. Then there was a good section where people started to come down, but nobody was really pushing the leaders when O'Brien came down. And she went so fast. You saw the first few splits and you thought, 
okay interesting we'll see what happens see if, she, if any mistakes come in and she just kept going and going and it was I, I couldn't believe it I felt so sorry for her in the second run um it was it was such a great performance but I, I genuinely hope she can keep that up because that's exactly yeah. what we talked before like the British guys did in the slalom I mean she was well probably well over the limit for a couple of turns but she just wouldn't hold back she would not hold back and I that's what I so enjoy so much about ski racing and some people who just have that ability to not hold back and she i mean if she's continue doing that she's definitely going to win a world cup race soon yeah it was so good it was so good she had i don't know she she seems like one of the she always seems to have a smile on her face she seems to like absolutely love what she's doing and that you see any of the social media her and Maltzen are always you know arm in arm skiing really well and just absolutely ripping and all of a sudden she pulls out that first monstrous first run from bib like 19 or whatever it was. And then so close, so close to, you know, what, I don't know, like I was going to say pick up a medal, but then it was only a 10th taken out the top three. So Ben, what about the Brits, Alex Tilly? Yeah, Alex was 17th. I think again, Alex pushed 13th in the, in the parallel 17th in the JS. I think of, of all the Brits, he's, Probably the only one who actually put it in, in the finish. Um, but, <laughs> but probably not her best, but under those conditions, I was, you know, I was, I was happy to see her go in there. There was a, a few occasions where I thought she could go down and yeah. she kind of held it together. I think struggling a little bit in terms of, I think like you described it quite well with her slalom skiing is it looks like she's fighting a lot. And there's times where fighting is, is, kind of good for you to stay upright but you don't want to be fighting the mountain the entire way down because it is exhausting one thing we haven't touched on yet is just the absolute length of that gs 113 and 117 for the for the uh two two runs that is a long long course um and there were some exhaust like the people that you know are the absolute best only i've ever seen wendy holdner collapse in a finish area before exhausted uh and she and she did so i think i think alex said I think she made some posts on social media saying she was completely exhausted at the bottom. And, you know, there's some bits of commentary were saying people should maybe like save some in reserve for the finish. But, it's, you know, when you're fighting really hard to stay up, it's really hard to keep anything in reserve in ski racing. You just have to unfortunately find a way to have that kind of endurance prior to the race. You can't just have it on the day. And, and as Marcel said earlier, you can't, you can't ski, you know, passively. Marcel, did you, did you ever, hold anything back i don't think i ever raced thinking not even in vengen i mean main, mainly because i didn't have any choice that i didn't have anything left but i don't think little, little it's a sprint the jump. you know it's a proper sprint isn't it it's not an endurance event so you are going out of the gate charging from top to bottom are you i, I mean maybe i mean is that where enough, i was going wrong i don't know funny enough when i was when i was really quick i could, I could have gone again like i i didn't was that was was that on purpose? Did you you know when you when you were skiing fast at your best? Did you race down a World Cup sort of? No, it took a bit easy and then no no you know, no not at all like finish. But you know when when they talk about the flow and like uh, some people really got into the flow um, it, this World Championships and it, it's really hard to describe when you're not an athlete um, because you you can't really but you don't really think like everything goes slower than it would usually go or at least with me it did um you think you think you have so much time like everything is going really well like you you barely i mean uh, you barely are 
tired in the finish you could go again and then you have like some races where you literally stand on the last leg and you're actually so slow and i was like what have i done here but it's probably because when you ski better you you might not use that much energy but i don't know um i thought they were like bloody long gss <laughs> probably a bit too long for some people I think that probably brings us to the end of the reviews, unless anybody wants to add something before I uh, Just, move on. Yeah, the, the only other person I was going to mention was Alice Robinson. Uh, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, she looked a lot more comfortable on that ice than a lot of people. And it, you know, I don't know if they said New Zealand hasn't had a a, a medal at a, a World Champs before, and that was very close to being their first. Um, she she looked like she was enjoying racing when other people really weren't and to be as young as she is and beyond that as we mentioned ridiculously long gs she looked like not not like it was a walk in the park but she looked like she was having a lot more fun than some of the people she was racing against them well she skewed her but she skewed the best race that she would have done on on a, you know the the tough piece of kranska gora didn't she that was the best scheme that you know i think that she's ever done that and solden both are obviously extremely challenging extremely icy um, pistes and that you know like you guys said that piece at the world champs was was a brilliant piece really it, good i really enjoyed that tech hill just on on ellis robinson i think like people and probably herself forget as well that she's only 19 mm. <laughs> because she's done so well already in her career and she probably puts a lot of pressure on herself and this year maybe didn't work out that well so far and um, <laughs> You it's so, so good to see her back. Yeah, it, it takes a long time, as a, especially as a, a youngster, whether it's whether it's young in age or young in years on the tour or whatever. Like you have to still find your, you have to find your your medium. You have to find your average. You have to find your sort of feet of it, and you know charging really hard and going for it all the time. You know doesn't always work out, and I think that's what she's found probably over the last season or so that that you know takes a bit of time to, you know find some tactics sometimes and you still have to have tactics whether you're going full charge or not you know you can still be full charging and ski tactically i might put her on my predictions league for the olympics next year actually oh yeah can we write that down already big call already all right well <laughs> that, that moves us nicely on to the league uh, gentlemen do you want to know how you got on no well <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you anyway ben oh i'm going a long way down here my friend keep uh, scrolling keep scrolling I actually went too far. Have Where you, are you? Have you, have you, have you added in my bonus <laughs> points for February yet? Uh, no. Uh, ben, you amassed a whopping 13 points in uh, 61st place. Marcel, you picked up uh, a whole point more with 14 in 56th, whereas the winner was um, Ski Racing Podcast Extra host, Todd Nilsson, picked up 30 points in total. Then it was... Uh, yours truly in second place you said Todd didn't know anything about skiing well he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> I mean you guys supposedly do and you're all the way down there well my girlfriend's oh. probably picked up more points than I did so yeah she has where is Francesca she picked up 17 points and she was in 40th place that's gutting but the, the, the winner of the league and the winner of your bib, Marcel, is a gentleman by the name of James Saw. I think that's how you pronounce his name, Saw. Uh, and he was uh, one point behind Todd Nilsson with 29 points on the same as myself. Uh, and so he will pick up your bib. So we'll need to get in touch with James, get his address, fire that over. We've also got some Ski Bartlett's vouchers. Uh, and so you guys can 
Did you end up on a podium? I did. Yeah, I was joint second. No, you didn't. Marcel, you remember he puts Absolutely. the uh, he puts no, the, num- he did. He puts the did. numbers in. I did. That, that's absolute bollocks. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you are cheating. That is incredibly harsh. Listen back to the pods. Listen back to the pods. No, you know what? I want to have like an, an external audit done on that one because I don't. Ben's, I don't, Ben's got off. Ben's got the Ben's got the key. Are we waiting for a? a, a demand a recount are we going all, are we all are we going all donald trump on this demanding uh, recounts no I'm, I'm gonna call deloitte and having an audit done for you guys because i don't believe you <laughs> i don't think we can afford a deloitte audit marcel they're not the cheapest in the world i can speak from uh, <laughs> from experience yeah, on that so, so yeah because i picked I, I got both slaloms right leansberger and and uh, Foss solovarg and that is enough to pretty much give me more points than the both of you pretty close Ben, you you look like you're about to say something. I was going to say my my pick started to go a bit more rogue after Christopherson decided just not to show up for the uh, uh, for the parallels. So congratulations, yeah, James Saw, who uh, is the winner of the bib, also of also did well. Tom Garstang had 28 points. Gareth Harvey 28 points. The Lazy Dane 28 points, uh, and then yeah, we had quite a few people. We'll post the results. Dave Riding had 25 points. Um, Charlie Raposo, I think he was even lower than the both of you. He only had 10 points. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, know. but he had more exposure on Instagram, so he doesn't really care. <laughs> um, right. Moving moving on from the league, although I will be reminding you and probably sending it to you, just pictures of it. Maybe I'll get it framed and send it out. Highs and lows. What, what, are, you guys, what, what are you going to take away from this? What will live long and what will soon be forgotten? Marcel, do you want to kick us off? What, what do you think? I'm going to I'm going to start off with the lows. Um I would say the parallel was a low and that was my uh, high point. <laughs> <laughs> well, podcast-wise it was because Ed wouldn't stop talking about it. Um <laughs> and also I think the reverse 15 order was pretty rubbish. The worst bit of it is that I actually have to start working again now because the last week I was basically just sitting in front of the TV watching it um instead of working, so that's a bit of a low. On the other note, Hyatt, I would say it was pretty amazing to see five people winning two gold medals. I think that only happened twice in the history of Ski World Championships, which was pretty amazing. So uh, well done on those guys and girls. And I mean, some of the skiing was just unbelievable. I mean, the Germans had a really good world champs, the Austrians winning five gold medals. I mean, there are so many highs. Lara Gut probably... My favorite and obviously Michaela Schiffrin winning four medals. Ben, what about you, mate? I mean, I'm never happy with the weather. Um, and I'm fairly sure that will remain for all time, but definitely <laughs> the last two weeks um have really annoyed me. Um, and I don't like when, you know, like well, I guess we've said it's an outdoor sport, things happen, but I don't like when the conditions play that much of a part. I don't think it's too much to ask to just say, can we have two weeks? of hard snow and clear skies <laughs> I, I mean it doesn't have to be every day you know it can snow loads when the parallel is going on it's fine but yeah just all of that everything that's made not as your fist look bad but just taken a bit of the gloss off the championships yeah. whether it's the weather whether it's the reversing 15 whether it's the ridiculous courses in the parallel what all of that stuff can go in the negative pile but in the positives i mean 
the tech the tech events are just so much better than speed. The two slaloms and two GSs were easily the best races of of the of the entire championships. I don't know whether it was the piece. I don't know whether it was because we were made to wait so long for the speed events. I'm not actually taking shots. And it was just I don't no, know. The, the, the speed I... events didn't seem that that as exciting as I wanted them to be. And no, maybe it's, it's because Kilda's out, Godia's out. We're missing so many good people that could have like produce some fireworks and that's not taking anything away from the people who did win because people army is unstoppable but i just it just feels like they like the, the the tech events kind of lit it up and i don't know quite why why more than the speed well uh, i have to agree um my low clip points... that sound clip that yeah you agree well, yes uh, my lows apart from the obvious of the shocker parallel which was a true shocker um and the the men's 15 um, apart from those obvious ones, I was really disappointed by the downhill in Super G. It seems like ages ago, but that they just didn't get it right. The course set in the Super G was ridiculous, and and that actually took away from what should have been a half decent race. The hill, the hill isn't great for the men's um, speed events, which I think is difficult. Um, they didn't get the downhill set right. The big jump was like a knuckle jump it was it was just so i was really disappointed by the, the speed events really and they need a, a lot of work i think before we come back for the olympic games in uh in five years time so uh those definitely i think you know that is my big disappointment um but the plus side lara Barami, the gs the women's gs has probably got to be a highlight which I don't know. I'm not sure I would have thought that coming in. If somebody said, what do you think the best race is going to be? You know, you typically go for, you know, men's downhill or, you know, men's men's slalom or at least women's slalom. But the, I think the women's GS was, a, you know, that podium, all the skiers, you know, being really close, some quality skiing, the high, like the Nina O'Brien's get, nearly getting in there and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Schifrin coming back, looking like she was, you know, sort of back. And I think that's... um that's got to be a plus in the plus column. We uh, we asked a few people. We are, we are stuck out on social media, and lots of people are talking about um, highs being lows being the parallel. Basically, the parallels just got an absolute hammering. We've got a few questionable stuff about the GS men's GS set. A couple of people didn't like that. Thought it was a bit bit crazy. Um, Laurie Taylor got a good positive, that sort of stuff. But in general. I think I think in general this champs were a success, but they, you know, Fizz looked like a couple of times tried to ruin it for themselves. Unfortunately, I mean um, their PR department aren't doing well right now. Like they've been tweeting what a brilliant championships were it was, and just they if they, they put out enough be... noise, we might forget. Do you, is that what you think? Uh, yeah, I, it's it's a tough one because they don't try and make things go wrong. There's a lot of pressure on them to always get things right and with people like we said like Kostelic ready to bury them at every opportunity is is difficult but then when they just ignore everything that didn't go right and just go that was the best world championships ever see you later guys <laughs> and I went, cut well you know maybe let's talk about those elephants in the room guys they yeah. you know it's all well and good said we'll get it better next time um which might bring us on to the, the next topic um yeah that does bring us on to the next topic yeah. thank you Ben well done. Good link. Um, do you, take us away. Take us the, do the link. Nailed it. Um, so also the uh, the next World Championships, the 2023 host 
uh, resorts have been announced, which is a joint Mirabel and Courchevel. Uh, so the men are going to have their events in Courchevel and the women in Mirabel. Yeah, so it looks quite good, especially from a British perspective. We skied there plenty of times, um, although looks like a couple of interesting decisions in pistes for the women's stuff. I don't need to go into it too much, but it'll be it'll be a good champs that, you know, they, they will put some glitz and glamour in the French. Let's just hope we get some better snow conditions and, you know. Some fans. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that too. And in terms of the Brits, that is about as close to a British a home championships. And in fact, it probably is, it probably does count as a home champs being in Maryville and Courchevel. So yeah, it could be good. Could be good for the, for the, uh, the and guess what? It's going to be live podcasting in Courchevel and Maryville for us. <laughs> I was going to say, can we get some kind of press pass? And no, I'm, de- I'm definitely going to go a hundred percent. Yeah. I think I'm going to go too. Okay, cool. Can one of you two take me with you? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can have a road trip. Like, we just take the car and drive down from London. Yeah. I mean, we, we did say it who our road trips would be. It can't be, it can't be Marcel's car because it's too small. It can't be my car because it's too small. Ben, <laughs> it, might have to be your, it might have to be your car. I'm sure I can find us a van of some sort. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it'll be good. It will be good. And yeah, I think um, it will be fun. But we still have a World Cup season to finish off. Um, the women racing this coming Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Val de Fassa in Italy. They're racing double downhill and a super G, whilst the men are in Marcel's favourite of the Bansko, Bulgaria. Uh, they race double GS on Saturday and Sunday. Let's have a quick chat first up about the ladies' events, the speed events. Uh, one of the questions that came in actually was about the overall... Do you think that Lara Goot is now favourite for the overall? Um, is that a blast? I, I, I would like to say yes, but Vlahovski is everything and she probably pulled something out of her head at, at some speed races. Yeah, and but... Then, and but, she still has the slaloms. I mean, look, Lara Goot is on a, is on a very high now. Yeah, she's, she's on form. She's the form athlete going in. What, what's okay. the point? I mean, ben, you're looking at the points difference, I take it, but... It's like 40 points, isn't it? I mean, Vlahova is probably, she's probably trained today already for the next three days. She's training and then she's going to go for a race. I don't know, but I kind of, I kind of feel it would be so nice for Lara Gu to win it again because she would, she came out of nowhere and it would be not taking it away from Vlahova. But I don't know. I kind of feel like I, I, I kind of, like Vlahova to win it, I think. A new nation winning the overall. I don't yeah, recall Slovakia ever winning, so that would be quite cool. And um, the other thing, which would then massively come into question, was stuff that we've talked about all season long with race selection and how picking up lots of little points or relatively little points doesn't equate, and we've seen it from Schifrin, doesn't equate to necessarily winning the, the globe because you've she's lost those big points hauls that she was picking up week in week out when she only raced slalom and GS with the odd super G chucked in there. Um, and so if, if, you know, she's picked up a couple of medals at world champs and she opened and somebody can't remember who it was, sorry to whoever it was that wrote in, because I'm, I'm not trying to steal your, uh, your point here, but you know, she st- said at the beginning of the season openly said it, that, she, that the goal was the overall globe and so again, she raced everything pretty much at world champs, you know, more races where she, you know, that wasn't the ultimate goal. I think it's quite, quite tricky. Ben, 
What do you think? Yeah, so the, the gap was about 40. I was also looking at the, the rest of the calendar to see what we had left in the way of speed versus uh, uh, tech, but it looks kind of even uh, the rest of the rest of the way in. It's, I don't, I feel I don't, it's hard to say someone, you want someone to get it because you feel like they deserve it. I feel a bit probably similar to you, Ed, in terms of Vlahova. She's had the last however many years where in another season she probably would have won the overall but Schifrin dominates so much you can't even get close to her and then last year when Schifrin wasn't there at the end of the season Brignoni had that season for the ages and just picked up podium after podium in every event so Vlahova didn't win then and this year she's almost I don't know it'd be interesting to see if that medal gives her a bit of energy because we've been talking about how tired she is is she going to have any energy left whereas Lara Gukbarami's events count seems to be going up and up. She's doing more and more events as the season goes on, but she seems to be getting more energy with each good result, whereas Vlahova seems to be looking more and more tired. Um, I mean, I'm not sure anyone else can get close to them, let's put it that way. I mean, Michelle Gizins, yeah, she's, she's about 150 points off, off Gukbarami, so she's got a fair way to go uh, to get back in it. So it, you think it's going to come from one of those two now. Yeah, it does look like it, doesn't it? Anything to anything to add before? If anyone skied in um, Valdefessa, slalom is really good there, but I'm not quite sure how the downhill switch is. Are we going to do any predictions for that? Absolutely. You you sound like you are you are in. Well, can I have three Lara Goods or? <laughs> I know we no. go back to normal roads. No, um, no. I think uh, for the for, is downhill first. Yeah, downhill, downhill, super G. I think Corinne Sutra is, is going to win the first downhill. Oh, here we go. Oh, they are. All right, Ben, do you want to take the downhill? For, for Lara? Well, yeah, who do, who do you want for the... Because that means I'm going to get left with the Super G, so that one's quite easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're back to normal rules of, uh, of not picking the same. Yeah, yeah, I'll take uh, Gubrami and downhill one. Okay. I... You can't... It's, it's tricky after that, isn't it? Because... You got Breezy Johnson leads the standings, Corinne Suter in second, Ledetska in third. Obviously, after Godjik, I mean, Godjik still leads, so she's probably actually still going to pick up the globe, but obviously, she's now not racing. I don't know. I'm not sure if Breezy Johnson's. She obviously didn't have the champs that we would have liked to have seen from her. I'm going to go. I, I, I'm going to stick it in there. She can. She can go. I'll go with her. Breezy. Get Breezy on the. Get Breezy on the top step. Second one. I will go. Ben, you can go. <laughs> you will go. I will go. Excellent. No, because you. Uh, down next, yeah, down at Kamasa. Um, I'll go last in the downhill because he did the. Yeah. Let's take. Uh, I'll take uh, Suter. Okay. I will go Goop for the second one. And I'll go Esther Ledeska because she had two fourth places. Very unfortunate for her. Okay. Should we take out Lara Goop for the Super G? I feel like that's. Uh, no, just keep her in there. Yeah, but I'm going to go for her. And then then you... go for her. Well, you don't mind? No, because, I mean, realistically, she will be on the podium. But is she going to win about 100 in a row now? All right. All right, Lara uh, is then for me. I mean, Marcel's resigned to the fact that you're going to cheat anyway. So it just <laughs> doesn't even matter what you say. <laughs> is it, just is this Marcel pin? chucking his toys out of the pram? <laughs> <laughs> is him doing a Christopherson? <laughs> Actually, I was very surprised with his reaction. Me too. I know. I'm nearly glossed over it. I was. I, some brownie points for him. I'm turning into a Christopherson fan. Now he knew he was on camera. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Okay, so I'm, uh, you're, I'm going Goot. Marcel? I'm going for Ledesco. Or actually, no, I'm going for Brignone. Can I go for Brignone? Yeah, Ooh. she had a terrible... Yeah, and she looked like she was she was trying so hard, wasn't she? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, Marcel, what's what's it gonna take for you to pick an Austrian? Well, I picked Schwartz and he went out, so <laughs> I'm not. I don't. I don't want to jinx those guys. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I'm, I'm not quite sure for the for the Super G. She's had more success uh, tip, hasn't she? In the yeah, she's she third in the Super G. I thought it's downhill she'd been doing better at. Um, okay, I'll jinx the Austrians in and say tip. What about uh, anybody think that Vikoff Lee might, Kasia Vikoff Lee might, might do something soon? I mean, she's, she's been skiing well. It's just so, I mean, when you see people dominating the way Cooper Army is, you almost kind of lose track of who else is nearly there. When the names like the, the Detsko and even Bassino sometimes has, has skied pretty well in Super G. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, until it happens, you're never quite sure if they're going to make that leap. Let's move on to the GS, which is in Marcel's favourite of Bansko, where you picked up one of your third places. It's um, it's a pretty tricky hill, but before we get on to talking about it, we just had a question from uh, from one of the listeners, Severin. He messaged in just wanting to talk, ask a bit about the the technique that the GS skiers are using at the moment. Do you think that it's it's changed a lot because there seems to be do you think races are now more on the edge than ever, or do you think that the styles and stuff we're seeing a lot of DNFs and guys like literally on, you know, big consequences to to sort of making big mistakes? Do you think it's changed slightly, or do you think it's just? I was wondering where you were going with that question because the amount of times we've talked about the ridiculous levels of drift that people are uh, are throwing in, in in my eyes at times unnecessarily. I'm, I I get mad when I see it. I'm like, you're just slowing yourself down. If you can't start a turn while you're doing skiing world cups obviously they're ridiculously fast and they know what they're doing but sometimes it it looks like that people are drifting excessively on the way into turns and it annoys me we have some Um, massive angles as well aren't we the guys i mean pretty much everyone apart from pantero seems to be putting in some crazy like elbow drag elbow dragging skiing i mean he looks like the technique of obviously Pantero just seems so good, but the, everybody else seems to be chucking the kitchen sink at it, and he's just sort of I, like a swan. You know what I think is is definitely changing that Hirsch is not there anymore, and Christophus is not as dominant, and Pintero, well, he is dominant, but I feel like everything is so close together. So those guys, like they can smell it. They would, they they know exactly. Okay, today I have to go full force. If I do, I might pick up a win. Whether they they didn't do that, like two years ago when Hirscher and, and Christophus and Pintero were always winning in Ligeti at, at some stage. Like the likes of Loic Mayar, who hasn't won a race, or I, or I don't think he has, and, and Odermatt, those guys, like, they can smell it. Like, they know exactly it could be my time today. Yeah. And, and I feel like this has changed a lot. And obviously, thinking about, it's not just the technique, it's also about the skis, because back in the days, it was like 27 meter radius. All of a sudden it was 35 meter radius and you had to ski quite round to get around the corners. And then now it's getting back to like 30 meter radius. And I think the first maybe one year, everyone was still kind of figuring out how yeah. where the limit is. And now, well, they can definitely attack more. And like, obviously the ski brands are doing a phenomenal job making sure that the skis are going around the corner a lot quicker than they have done before 
So I think they are really going very straight. Everyone is trying to to push as hard as they can in terms of the line because obviously you wanna you wanna make sure you cut the line really short. And I think that's why we see so many people going how they do at the moment. It's an interesting one because oh, and we we we've been caught up with the world champ stuff. We kind of haven't had a chance to really touch on it. But you you mentioned Mr. GS then Marcel uh, Telegti had to retire he was planning on the world champs being his last race and then i think he had a, a, a back injury he was posting pictures of scans of, of his back saying he was unable to race to to do his farewell and and you have to say how much of what he put his body through in those years when nobody could get anywhere near him in gs yeah was was from contorting himself in that way and the amount of pressure that must have gone through his lower back every turn you think of some of the angles he's known for that has to has to take its toll and we've seen in the last couple of years as Marcel alluded to as the skis have got bigger and bigger radius or, or whichever way around it is uh, going going up in up in radius uh, rather than down people have had to adjust the ski and just laying them over the way Ted did in those in those early years isn't doesn't cut it anymore and we've seen him struggle in races where he's looked good but it's just not been as fast as those guys that go like a, a much more direct and really powerful line yeah, yeah it's, you just he was uh, in the end like obviously he i think he was on a podium two years ago but he was just too round like there was it, it was just simple to round skiing well by round i mean he took a long way yeah he was skiing so many extra meters in the end wasn't he in and, and that's you can't afford that anymore if you look at some of those guys i mean ali rondini is a good example of drifting and being quick obviously specifically at the world champs like he took a very direct line but he drifted a lot of it he could afford it because it was just the way it was but you see like mayard is always taking a very direct line like Odermatt always very direct line even pintero he doesn't look like it because he's yeah. so solid but he doesn't ski any extra meters. Should we talk Bansko? Wrap this up? Marcel, as, an, as the expert. You know what? It's actually, it's a nice hill. It's not, it's not going to be as tough as the World Champs or some other races. It's quite mellow, if you want to call it that way. Um, which I think is going to be really good for Charlie. Um, I hope he's going to be, I hope he's going to be able to, to put something down there. Taking his kind of good race in the parallel bringing it into a, into a World Cup race that would be really good for him and, and I think Bansko is the one the one race to do it so is he your pick for day one or day two <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pick him for the top 30 not for <laughs> <laughs> okay Ben kick us off race one Zubcic the end I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Pancho just to annoy myself <laughs> <laughs> literally go for it. Just go for it. i actually go for um he found some form hasn't he which is nice nice to see him looking looking a bit more like his old self race two marcel i go for control okay <laughs> <laughs> saw that coming <laughs> ben do you want to go next uh yeah i'm trying to I'm trying to mix it. I'm so far down the standards that i get bored picking uh favorites so what about some austrians Shame I mean, I have to, over, it's not in the stars, by the way. I have to scroll so far down the, the standings to find an Austrian. I forget to pick them sometimes. <laughs> the, currently, the GS standings, uh, Lightinger is 18th. 
and and the and and the the, the new third place world championship uh, Marco Schwartz is twenty uh, first, which is crazy when you think of how good and, some and, of these guys could be. And uh, Feller is the third best Austrian. A, G- a GS, morning, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, who's there? I mean, he's going to be fuming from the weekend, but I'm, I'm probably going to say Odermatt. Okay. I may pick his fellow Swiss, and I'm going to go with a Mayar podium. I'd like I... to see him. I'd like to see him win, but it's uh... yeah. I do. I like watching him ski. I liked his technique, so I feel he like is... it, it may be yeah. one that. It's yeah, he, came up, he came a bit short in the slalom in the, at the World Champs, unfortunately. But his, yeah, after yeah, skiing so well in the yeah. uh, in the in the combined in that slalom, and then just obviously disappointing when he came to the actual slalom. And you're thinking Raposo might get himself on the uh, on the, the on the final sheet, on you know, in, in his well, top thirty. Pick one some. would hope so. I mean, if he if they flip thirty. <laughs> oh, 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 here he is. Here he is. <laughs> No, they only flip. They only flip the best ten now. They just go progressively go down. Like at the end, I check the rules. They can only change it to fifteen. They can do it as late as an hour before the first run. Yeah, but they are the rule. They can do whatever they want. Like Waldner, Waldner's on there, like the um, Caesar, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna change the rules today." Yeah, he makes the he makes the rules. You know, him and I sit in the same position. You should make the rules. You should go along. Well, one selector and one rule maker then. <laughs> <laughs> for, yeah, for anyone who needs to check, that's uh, our, uh, Article Six Two One Point One One Point Three uh, of the uh, of the official uh, ski racing rules as posted on the FIS website. At the, the, ski, it's the ski racing podcast rulebook. <laughs> oh no, this is the official one. Uh, not 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 Ed's make it up as you go along rules for things. This is the international ski competition rules. Yeah, there will be a proper rule book for next year for the predictions league, that's for sure, because I don't trust you, Ed. <laughs> Getting get Deloitte in for that as well. Yeah, get bring bring them in. Bring them in. They'll let they'll rubber stamp them. You're doing quite well in the actual league. So No, but well, can we like you know they have like a fist congress usually once yeah. a year where they go to some exotic places and have like a, yeah, whatever they do for a couple of days. I think we should do that for the podcast as well. Have like a podcast kind of gathering. Where we, yeah, we, where we, go we can do that on what is it? What is it? June, June the twenty first, or whatever. What is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll have to speak to Powderhound. Uh, see, see uh, if we can use their head offices somewhere for it. Or um, we just find a bar, make some rules up as we go along. <laughs> I mean, that's already um, your rule book, Ed. All oh, right, sorry. Yeah, it's just my, <laughs> the bar is my own bar in my house, the drinks cabinet. That's where I keep the rule book. Right, boys. Thank you very much, and until next time. Bye for now. <laughs>